Jesus' name, we thank You again that we have already worshipped You. We've heard Your Word in different ways. We've fellowshiped together, Lord God. We've given in worship as well of our resources. So Father, we know You've already touched our hearts. Uh, it's already clear that Your Spirit is moving in this place. So now we open up our hearts more. And we ask you that you would move more deeply into our hearts at this moment, Lord. Because we realize that you have a word for us. That you, Lord God, have from heaven, Lord God, your voice that is already speaking and that will speak to us in an impactful way, Lord. So, Father, help us to remove all those things that are in the way, all the dross, all the cares and concerns, Lord God, that have us weighed down. Uh, even, Lord God, help us to, uh, for a moment, Lord God, not even look at the time. Because a moment with you, Lord God, is worth hours elsewhere. So, Father, move in a powerful way in all of our hearts, all of our souls. And we give ourselves to you freely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been in line waiting for anything? I'm sure you have because it is the nature of our plight as human beings, especially as we interact with one another in all, all of our social environments. Uh, think about those times that you decided to make a quick trip to the grocery store, right? You, you decide to go in, been there, done that, right? You decide to go in and... Uh, grab a quick item off the shelf and you notice there's not many people in line so you run to the back of the store and then you get what you want and then you're running to the front and then you notice the lines have already began to form that quickly. But yet you in your wisdom and in your great eyes you notice that uh, there is one line, there's always one, that there's just one person there and everybody else for some reason can't see that line. And you know how we do, we begin to uh, run towards that line, right? Because we know that once we're there with one person in front of us, uh, that we are blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Great feeling, isn't it? But then something happens that we don't count on. As the cashier is checking out the groceries, you know, we just have a bag of rice or, or maybe a bag of carrots in our head. That's all we want. But the, the cashier is, is checking out the groceries of the person, and they're almost done. And they get to that one thing, and then all of a sudden, it's price checked. And we're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, that's how I feel, right? I just go, oh, then I'm like, okay, don't forget you're a pastor, so, you know, you have to, I meet people watching you around here. I'm like, oh, my goodness, and I go back like that. 
And then you're waiting, you say, it can't take that long, right? But in the meantime, all those long lines on the side, they start to go down. And they're getting shorter and shorter. And then that person that you passed that was in the back of that long line, now they're walking out. And here you are, you're still standing here waiting. And instead of saying that I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord, you begin to say, why has thou forsaken me, O God? How long do you have to wait? You think to yourself, how long do we have to wait until they finally get the price on that one thing? Wait on that phone call. In fact, in our passage today, Joshua wanted to know why was it that God's people delayed moving forward in what God had promised them? Think about it. They arrived in the promised land after journeying through the wilderness for 40 years. Through that wilderness, they experienced hunger and thirst Divisions, wars, complaints, and discontent to the point uh, that even the Lord was ready to give up on them and allow them to perish even though they had never achieved the promise that God had waiting on them. This would have been devastating for them and a huge disappointment. A huge disappointment for their ancestors who struggled to find their place and they looked to find that one home. They struggled as they waited for an escape from bondage to the Egyptians. For 400 years, they struggled as they waited. Now, after spending 40 years in the desert, it's very interesting, uh, they spent 400 years in bondage and now they had spent 40 years in the wilderness, in the de desert. It's very interesting that the 40 years in the desert is a tide of their time. Fascinating. Now God waited on them to fully walk in His promise. It's one thing to wait at the store or wait for someone to get ready in your house to go somewhere. But it's quite a different one to have God wait on you. Please turn with me to Joshua chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. Joshua 18, beginning in verse 1. And the passage reads, Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? How long? Will you wait? How long will you wait to walk in the promises of the Lord? 
It's very interesting that the original text, it actually asks this question. How long will you show yourself lazy? How long will you show yourself lazy? Well, this idea of laziness in its first definition means something that moves slowly or something that moves gently. But as we look at our text, we know that they're not moving slowly. We know that they are not moving gently because we know that a river is lazy. Or one can walk at a lazy or a slow pace. We know that. And we also know that the animal, they call it a sloth, a sloth is slow. But our scripture says they were putting off going in to take possession of what was theirs. In other words, that they were doing nothing. So another definition of laziness is the disinclination to work or exert oneself. The disinclination to work or to exert oneself. And this is probably more in line with what we see in our passage. Uh, the origin of laziness it deals with someone who is feeble, someone who is weak, someone who is too tired to take hold of the task at hand. If you are therefore so sickly that you are unable to work, then maybe that disinclination to work or to exert yourself makes sense. You don't have the strength to pick up a hammer to fix the railing on your wall, I say that because I just fixed the railing on my wall that's been bro broke for about nine months or so, if not longer. But a better sense of, de of a definition would be the idea of postponing or holding off until a later time. And there used to be a funny saying uh, which asked the question, uh, why do it today when you can wait until tomorrow to get it done? There's sometimes something in our minds and hearts which that calls us not to move forward on a project or not to make a decision when we know that we should. What is it about us? Some people blame the Lord when they say things like, well, I'm waiting on the Lord to release me. God has not released me yet to do what I need to do. Others say things like, the situation has not yet lined up enough for me to do what needs to get done, or it may not be the will of God. Sure, there's plenty of excuses. Plenty of excuses in the book uh, as to why we should not do what we should do. My question for you is, what excuses have you given for not doing what you know you should be doing. As we will discover, none of the excuses I just mentioned were legitimate enough. 
there were not legitimate reasons why those remaining tribes did not move forward and take what God had already given them. So in our passage, we know that five tribes had not entered the promised land. We know that there's a total of how many tribes of Israel? And the number is 12. 12 tribes of Israel. And out of 12 tribes of Israel, only five had not taken possession. Had not taken possession of what the Lord had promised. So there were seven that were not walking in compliance. And the ones that were were Judah, and Gad, Reuben, Ephraim, and Manasseh. As I looked at the map, I was thinking to myself, maybe Reuben and Gad and Manasseh, that they had to walk in the fullness of what God had given them because they were located on a strategic place uh, to block any, uh, uh, any incursions from enemies coming from the east to Israel. I don't know. But other than that, we know that it, it seems that those five tribes, that they were in compliance or obedience while having the confidence to accomplish all that the Lord wanted them to do. So here are four possible reasons why people don't move forward when it's clear they should. Four possible reasons why people don't move forward when it's clear they should. Number one, we don't move forward when the entrenchment of the resistance is too much. The entrenchment of the resistance is too much for us. So even though the Israelites, as they entered into the promised land, you know they entered into the promised land and there were people already there. And because there were people already there, uh, they had to uh, displace them, we'll say. And in order to displace them, in many cases, they had to go to war with them to move them out of the way. Here in Joshua 18.1, it says, Then the whole congregation of the people, they assembled at Shiloh. Uh, Shiloh was that central location where, where the children of Israel, where they continued to meet together. We know that in the future it would be Jerusalem. And even in the past, it was Gilgal. But at this point, it was Shiloh. So when the leader would call a meeting in Shiloh, you knew that it was something big going on. Because in Shiloh, it wasn't just a meeting place, but also it says the tent of meetings was there. What is the tent of meetings? That is the place where they knew God would show up. So the entire nation gathered at Shiloh, where God would be present, as our passage says, the land lay subdued before them. This word subdued means that they have been in subjection to the Israelites. Fascinating. Uh, the, the pronunciation of that word is kabosh. Have you ever heard someone say, we need to go ahead and put the kabosh on it? Well, guess what? Uh, that is the pronunciation of the root word where we get laying do here in the Hebrew. That means to kabosh. So the kabosh had been placed on the land to stop them from moving forward because God had plans for that land. Now, when the writer of our passage, when he looks at the situation, this is very important, he says, the land lay subdued before them. 
Look at that. The Lamb lay subdued before them. So the writer of our passage, he is looking at this as being God, so to speak, because he understands this in terms of writer's omniscience. And what that means is that he sees it beginning to the end. So he says the land is subdued. The land already belongs to them. Do you realize that there's some things in your life that God has already planned for you that it already belongs to you? The question is, how long, brothers and sisters, how long will you wait? So when Jesus Christ, when He looks at our life, those of you who have a relationship with Him, that Jesus knows where you came from, he knows your weaknesses. He knows your failures and knows where and when you will have victories. Why? Because Jesus also speaks to us from the vantage point of omniscience because Jesus is God. But maybe the reality of the present situation is too much for them. You know, sometimes... You have to know what I'm speaking of because it is our plight as, as folks. Sometimes the situation can be so tough that you just need just to stop everything and just to get away. Just too much. Don't talk. Don't do anything. I don't want to see anything. I just need a break. I don't want to move forward. I just need a break from it. You know how this feels. You know that a plan may go your way. But yet, you need to muster up enough energy to get your hands and feet dirty again. Again. Right at that moment that you're thinking, I need to take a break. Right at that moment that you're thinking to yourself, I'm just tired and worn out. And really, I don't want to take another step. It's that way sometimes, uh, you know, coming in the house, you know, after you've worked really, really hard. Have you ever had those days? Hey, you, you, you come in the house and you're so tired. You know, in the morning time, I get up and I'm ready to go. I get up and I work out. I'm jumping around and everything. But at the end of the day, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm dragging my feet like this. I can barely get myself going. And sometimes you are faced with situations in your life. You know, when the situations first presented themselves, you have the energy, you're ready to go, you're ready to knock it out with a one-two punch, but then as it drags on, you drag on. And sometimes we just say, enough, Lord. Enough, Lord. Some of you may say, let somebody else do the dirty work. And then I will come in at the last minute and enjoy the spoils of the war. Then other folks say these words, these dreaded words. You know what? I'm just, I don't know what the Israelites said to themselves at that time, and neither do I know what you say to yourself, but I do know that we get tired. And some of us get so tired, we get tired and sick and tired of being tired. But one thing that you must know 
one thing that we all must realize, and that is that, number one, the battle is not yours to begin with. The battle is not yours. Why? Because the battle is God's. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. This is what the Lord once told His people. And He said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you. You hear that? Not to anybody else. Thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at the great horde. In other words, there were lots of people, uh, uh, armies coming uh, towards them. But God says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed at the great horde. Horde, even though it's a large number, don't be afraid. Why? And here it is. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Who does your battle belong to? Okay, let's try it again. Who does your battle belong to? One more time. Who does your battle belong to? See, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not to your understanding, right? Acknowledge him in, in every single way. He will do what? He will make your path straight. It all depends upon God. We don't have enough strength. We don't have enough wisdom. We don't have enough intellect. We don't have enough muscles. Uh, we have enough of nothing. The battle belongs to God. It's not yours in the first place. But when, you, when some of us see the difficulty or the amount of energy it takes to accomplish that next goal that's on our lists, we take that same attitude that those seven remaining tribes did. And they did nothing. How many of you are sitting on nothing today? You know there's a person that you need to talk to you know there is an action that you need to take, but yet you're doing nothing. In fact, no one else may know but you. The question is, why aren't you doing anything about it? Understanding and having the mind of Christ is the key in this situation. Now, I understand there are some situations that you may have to wait on. Amen? You can't go knocking down every wall, every door that's in your way. You're kicking down every chair that happens to get in your way. You can't do that. There are times that God tells us that we must wait. In fact, the Scripture tells us that they that do what? Wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So there is a time to wait, and there is a time to move. There is a time to be patient, and there's a time to get up out of your chair and do what God has called you to do. Which season are you in? But when some of us see the difficulty, again, or the amount of energy we take, uh, we just want to move back and stop it. Do nothing. Those seven tribes, one of the things, the mentality that they could have had was that, 
looking at the carnage that was left behind from the five tribes. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to enter the race. Because you know, uh, for those five tribes to enter into their land, you do know people died. You do know that people were hurt. What do you do when you have someone before you and people are getting hurt? You may tell ourselves, you know what? We need to just sit back. Let's just sit back and wait. Why should I enter the race? Why should I even try? But again, we must remember that the battle does not belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. So another reason why people don't move forward when it's clear they should. Here it is. We are unable to envision a place for ourselves in that future. We are unable to envision a place for ourselves in that future. Again, Joshua 18 and 2, it says, There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. In other words, it had not yet been divided. So because it wasn't divided, all they can see was just this big mess of land. And when the project is too big for you, Right? Again, it causes us not to have the vision that God gives us. How do we move forward? You've heard uh, the adage that says, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? However, you must start biting. Right? You must begin to take the first bite and then the second bite. You must have a plan. The scripture says that uh, God says that my people perish for lack of knowledge and they also perish when they have no vision as well. So since the land had not been divided, they may not have been able to see how they fit into God's promise. How do you fit in God's promise? How do you fit in life? And again, this is one of those struggles that people have today. Some of our teenagers in this world, uh, the reason that some want to take their life because they cannot envision their purpose or their goal in their existence in this world. So instead of trying to deal with it, uh, they themselves say it's too much. And they try to take their lives. Jonathan Swift says, vision is the art of seeing things invisible. So yeah, uh, but Scripture says this, Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Or in the ESV it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So to have godly vision, we must have godly faith. Amen? If you're going to have godly vision, you must have faith. So there is a connection between faith and the invisible, and then faith and vision. They all come together. And the issue is not just plain human vision, but a vision that has been ensconced in faith. These types of feelings 
not only occur on a national level here in Israel, but also occurs on an individual level. Uh, but the language we use for ourselves is a little bit different, right? We hear things like, what is your three, five, or ten-year goal? What is the plan for your life? I wonder if Israel had a three- or five-year plan for themselves. Or was it simply just, we're going to follow God? We have several people that are or have graduated school this year. And hopefully they are thinking about what lies ahead. You see, if you are not thinking about what lies ahead, you may get stuck in the here and now and not live out life to its full potential in God. And again, uh, when this happens, we get stuck. We get uh, discontent and begin to wonder, what's the use of it all? So they lack purpose and lack the strength even to rise out of their beds in the mornings. Frankly, this is something many young people, again, and some of our, our older uh, people have in common. Again, not having that purpose, that sense that God has, has given me a vision for my life or what He wants to accomplish for His kingdom. As long as you live on this earth, God has a plan for you. Can you say amen? amen. My father, you know, who just passed away, I received a connect card from him just a couple of months ago. Just a couple of months ago. And you know what he wrote on that connect card? On that connect card, he says, I want to be part of a ministry. And I want to be part of the prayer ministry. If a 97-year-old could understand that God could... What about you? What is, what is your vision? Not just for life. What is your vision in God's church? I tell you. God wants to, lo wants to lose you, right? God wants to use you. Uh, some people, God does want to lose them, right? So we can have vision that is of our own, but the vision of the Lord tells us that it is as good as done. Writing down our made-up vision may be fraught with personal desires and errors, whereas God's vision speaks of truth and can only be changed or altered by Him. A vision from God cannot be moved unless God does it. Ask God for vision for your life. What are you going to do when you get stuck? Are you having trouble moving forward? Why? Why can't you move forward? Why can't you fill out an application for a job? Why can't you fill out an application for school? Why can't you do the things that need to be done in your house? Do you have a vision for your family? Or is it just... Let's get up, go to the store, eat, go to the school, go to school or go to work and then come back. Is that the extent of your vision? Or is it to be God's family? It's growing and maturing in faith in the Lord. So another reason we don't move ahead when it's clear is because we are slow in moving in obedience. 
Joshua 18 and 3. How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land? How long, brothers and sisters? Are you just being plain, no, everyday, ordinary, lazy? You hate that word, right? I know, maybe some of those words are not politically correct anymore. Well, you can't, you can't call a child lazy anymore, right? I was, I was teaching in school. I saw that whole trend when it began to happen. I had uh, got hired one time at the school that would remain nameless. And one of the things that they told me said, oh, well, Mr. Spencer, uh, you can't call a kid lazy. I'm like, well, why not? They know what to do, and they're not doing it. what needs to be done. They are being lazy. Well, you have to be careful because so and so and so and so. I said, so what am I supposed to say then? Well, you just want to encourage them. But you know, look at what the Lord does. When it's time to rebuke, God rebukes, doesn't he? He doesn't say, well, look here, a little, little Willie. Right? We call him Liam, right? We're like, we don't know. We call him Liam. <laughs> little Liam? That's pretty good. Uh, pastor Liam. We like that. Amen. All right. Got a new nickname for our pastor over here, right? Uh, uh, little Liam. It would really be nice if you get up and do your schoolwork, and I'm going to give you a video game. I had a third grade teacher, uh, the second, I'm sorry, my second third grade teacher. Yes, I had two third grade. I, I was so smart. I was so smart in third grade that they, my teachers, and the principal asked me to do it again because they couldn't believe there was a child as smart as I was in third grade. And that teacher, Mrs. Clark, she would tell me, she says, David, you just being plain old lazy in my class. And if you uh, continue to be lazy, you will not go to the fourth class, uh, to the fourth grade. She's like, you don't know what you're talking I'm like, she don't know what you're talking about. I said that to myself. I wouldn't dare tell that to her, God bless her soul. Because she, she would have torn me up. That was at the time when you could, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? That's why when I, if I happen to fall and hit the floor now, it doesn't hurt, right? Because she would wear us out. But sometimes it is important that we get up off of our laurels, right, and begin to move in obedience because even delayed obedience is disobedience. It's unacceptable to the Lord. So now that uh, we have stated the obvious, how do, we, how do we move where we are to where we need to be? Number one, be willing to cooperate with the Lord. It's easy. It says here, the words used in this verse are provide three men from the tribe here in verse 4. Uh, this tells us that the Lord is not going to do everything for us while we sit around. So God may bless you. Can you say amen? But God wants you to take what he has blessed you with and do something with it. I'm a big proponent of prayer. But some people think we can pray and then never do anything. In fact, the Lord may be encouraging us to action while we pray. Because prayer, oftentimes the Lord, he gives us the ideas to act upon. God did not call the Hebrews to make the first step. 
But instead, he called them to respond to his beckoning. Are you willing to cooperate with the Lord in your pursuit of something grander than yourself? Next, envision your future by writing down the possibility. Envision your future by writing down the possibility. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says here, Provide three men from each tribe, and I will send them out that they may set out and go up and down the land. They shall do what? Write a description of it with a view to their inheritance. So in other words, you know, sometimes you just need to write it down. You have a problem with your kid? or you can't quite get a focus of your family, write it down. Write down the ideas. Pray about it first, uh, but then quickly write down what you desire and then submit it all to the Lord and see what God will do with it. By writing things down, you can at least know what you have done so you can plan out what to do next. At least you would have made some strides in, the, uh, in, in some direction. Some of us fail at this step because we allow other things to get in the way, get in the way of our seeing, get in the way of our hearing clearly. These things are distraction. So we must be able to eliminate distractions from our life, at least for a period of time. Next, take possession of what has finally come your way. Look at Joshua chapter 21, verse 43. Joshua chapter 21. Verse 43 says this. Thus, the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers, not one, of all their, not one of all their enemies had withstood them, but the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Look at verse 45. Look at that. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Not one word of God's word, did it fall flat. But it all came to pass. This can be scary. When you finally get what you had hoped for, when they finally walked into this land, it would be like that married couple who were unable to have a child and they had tried for years and years because this is what they really wanted. And then finally they were able to get pregnant. And then when they uh, got pregnant, uh, they went into the, the panic mode. It's like, how are we going to raise this child? What are we going to do? This is a scary thing. The bottom line is that God will give you more than you can handle. But he will also give you enough grace to handle what is beyond your grasp. God will always give you more than you can handle. Finally, 
Settle into or make your own everything that has been given to you. And be proud of those things in the Lord. Be proud of them in the Lord. You have no reason to be ashamed of the blessings of the Lord or that He has allowed you to walk in. The thing, however, uh, you is that you must not be boastful in your own strength or know-how, but show humility before the Lord. Boast in the Lord! It's easy to boast once you arrive and think that you're all that in a bag of chips. Don't get the big head, but put your boast in the Lord. After all, He was the one who gave you the vision. He was the one that gave you the confidence. He was the one that gave you the faith. He was the one that gave you the resources. He was the one that gave you everything you need to have to get where you're going. And if he does that, God will make a way. How long will you wait? If you're waiting for a mountain to split, or the sky to fall, you may wait too long. Today, I want you to trust Christ and move forward. Why? Because God calls you to do so. How long are you going to wait? What's on the back burner? Move it from the back burner to the front burner and then get to cooking. Can you say amen? Amen? How long will you wait? As we say, enough of the dumb stuff. Let's move ahead. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. You have been asking us.